Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Ever since Yeshua gave the great commission to his disciples, his message of hope and redemption has spread throughout the world and people have used all kinds of ways to share it. For Chosen People Ministries, which began in 1894, we have used the radio, television, pamphleting, newspaper ads, and now, in this digital age, online ads to show the love of Messiah with God's chosen people. Over the years, we have learned what media works and what does not work for our ministry. And we have also learned how to work following God's lead in unity with our colleagues. On today's episode, we are looking back on the various ways we have shared the message of Messiah. We will also share some of the lessons we have learned along the way, and we hope you will be encouraged to use what God has given you to reach the world. It is my pleasure to now introduce the host of Our Hope podcast, Abe Vazquez. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Our Hope. This is Abe Vasquez. I'm super excited about this episode, episode 50. Uh, And today we have Robert Walter, we have Brian Crawford, and we have Nicole Vaca joining me. And uh, we're going to be discussing some exciting things. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, Abe. Hey, you're doing great. Awesome. So uh, we might sound like we're in the studio together, but we're actually all over the country. Uh, Three of us in New York and one in California. Thank God for technology that we can do this. And speaking of technology, that's what we're really talking about in this episode. Before we even go there, what kind of episode would this be if we didn't talk about food? Mm. Right. (laughs) So I'm going to ask a very simple question. What do you prefer? And this is food related to New York. Pastrami sandwich or roast beef? Uh, pastrami all the way. Yeah, yeah cat, it's not a good question. Cat's, <laughs> cat, cat's is deli. You know, you get that mile high stack. It's just, yeah, no question. Yeah, pastrami. Pastrami. With some uh, some mustard, you know. And if you're at Katz's, I recommend the uh, pastrami Reuben. 
which is okay. uh, delicious. They put some coleslaw and some uh, melted Swiss cheese and some Ooh. Russian dressing mm. sandwiched wow. between two nicely sliced uh, pieces of rye bread. Oh, man. They're going to have to start paying us to promote that. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> the real question, though, Robert, is do you share or not? Do you eat that whole thing yourself? Yeah, that, that is a good question. Um, it, I think it depends. It depends, honestly. Uh, I mean, I think it's best to share because it is such a massive uh, sandwich. And just for the sake of your arteries, you know, it might be in your best interest. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, Nicole, you and I are in the gluten-free club now. So it, it does hurt our heart talking about sandwiches indeed you know i've i think i've only tried pastrami once in my life and it was one bite so i have oh, to try pastrami again man yeah i think we uh, need to just pause and pray for nicole yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well when you can go there uh just uh get yourself a sandwich nicole take it out of the bread and enjoy <laughs> the meat i guess yeah <laughs> all right well thank you again for joining us um we're really excited to celebrate or commemorate our 50th episode of Our Hope. I think it's a big deal. We really launched this uh, podcast, you know, as, as a result of the pandemic. We, we felt people needed hope. Uh, Nicole, do you want to share a little bit more about why we chose this episode to talk about this topic? Yeah, so, I mean, it is the 50th episode, and so I wanted to do something a little different, a little special um, I wanted to give people kind of an inside look at what we do and how we share this message with the world and how it has changed over time. And also just a behind the scenes look at kind of our work process and hopefully inspire some creators who are listening. That's great. That's awesome. So Robert, Brian, when did you join CPM? So I, I came on staff initially in January of 2007. Wow. Uh, but didn't officially become full-time until January of 2010. So it's been a little while. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I came on board in uh, 2010 as well. And uh, Robert was actually one of my first phone calls after I came on staff because he had just gotten to New York City and I was planning on making my way there. But I didn't actually touch feet on the ground of New York and begin full-time ministry until 2011. That's awesome. And, and I'm assuming at the time when you joined, um, some of the stuff that we're doing now wasn't really put into practice back then. Uh, is that fair to say? So stuff on social media, stuff on, uh, on the digital side of things. Yeah, we weren't really doing that kind of thing back in 2010, 2011. Uh, when, when I first got to New York, we were in the middle of a major campaign called the Isaiah 53 campaign and we had billboards mm. and we had subway ads and bus station ads and we were we had those ads all mm. over New York City and then we moved those ads to other cities throughout the country and mm -hmm. that was that was one of the major things that we were doing at the time yeah and i think that the Isaiah 53 campaign in particular was sort of the the emblematic campaign that saw us transition from doing a lot of stuff in print uh, mm -hmm. and then transitioning to uh, the internet. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a, it was a really important campaign, honestly. Yeah, tell us about that campaign. What was the what was the heart of that campaign? So uh, Dr. Mitch Glazer, the president of the ministry, uh, he wrote a book called Isaiah Fifty Three Explained, which mm -hmm. is a very evangelistic. 
presentation that Jesus is the uh, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. And it's written in such a way where it's coming from one Jewish person to another Jewish person. Yeah. Very relatable and a, a very effective, honestly, presentation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So as the book was coming out, we wanted to distribute it and get it in front of as many uh, Jewish people as possible. So like mm-hmm. Brian mentioned, we had these huge billboards in Times Square at the entrance to the Lincoln Tunnel. Uh, I, we, had right, a, we had a full right. page ad in the New York Times. Wow. Um, uh, and it was really, it, yeah. it, was, it was pretty substantial. I, I, you know, it's interesting before I even, I, I came on to CPM, sorry, Chosen People Industries in 2015. And I remember that billboard at the end of Lincoln Tunnel. Um, and you so I remember seeing, yeah, you can't miss it. So yeah. that was that was five years before I came to CPM, and I remember that. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that ad in the New York Times, it basically just printed the entire chapter of Isaiah 53 on a full-page ad and then had a phone number down at the bottom. And yeah. that, that was the ad. Just we let just people wanted, read it for themselves? Yeah, we just wanted <laughs> yeah. people to read it for themselves. Wow. That is awesome. Question for you, Brian. Uh, what are some of the more traditional ways for sharing the message of Yeshua, the Messiah? Yeah, in Chosen People, probably the most traditional way is through our congregational ministry, uh, mm-hmm. where we share the message of Yeshua through preaching, teaching, celebrating the holidays. Uh, that's a that's a place where both believers and unbelievers can come together and learn more about Yeshua. But the bigger question is, how do we actually get people to come to our congregations? And so there's, there's really been two major ways that we have done evangelism traditionally. Uh, it's been face-to-face ministry on one hand, and then media evangelism on the other. And uh, mm-hmm. face-to-face ministry, you're, you're probably familiar with it. It's a lot of track distribution, uh, sometimes street preaching, uh, doing book tables, uh, sometimes door-to-door in in neighborhoods where that is uh, agreeable. You can't really do that in in some Jewish neighborhoods, um, uh, particularly in New York City. Uh, But you can also do, um, uh, you can have clipboards with questionnaires and have aids like signboards and whatnot. That's the more face-to-face ministry. And also um, meeting with Jewish people who we get referrals uh, Mm -hmm. from. Um, Maybe friends of our ministry who have, connected us with their Jewish friends, and then we meet them at a coffee shop or uh, visit them in their home. Uh, so that's the face-to-face ministry. But then there's yeah. media evangelism. And mm-hmm. um, there's all kinds of ways that we've done media evangelism in the past. Since we're 126 plus years old, uh, we have been there and done that when all kinds of new media opportunities have Uh, come around. So we were there at the beginning Mm -hmm. using newspaper and magazines. And then this new thing called the radio came out. (laughs) And we had to figure out how to use the radio for the gospel. And then then you added TV. And that was radio plus an image. And you had to figure out how to not just talk well about the gospel, but actually uh, uh, have a full production team uh, behind the scenes creating sets and having producers. And uh, then we had to figure out how to use the internet. And that is a completely new area of media evangelism for our ministry. But here's the thing. The message never changes, even though the medium might change. Mm -hmm. And so we have always had to adapt with the times. But 
Yeshua the Messiah, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Amen. we never change the gospel. We just package it in new ways and new forms. And that's what's so fun about using these various methods in sharing the gospel. Right. And honestly, I would add that um, when we look to the past, like Brian said, we've tried to be at the forefront in the history of our mission in uh, bringing the gospel in new ways as these new ways developed, whether it's the, the newspaper, whether it's radio, whether it's uh, television, or now the internet and podcasts and uh, short videos on the internet, all kinds of stuff. But we're standing on the shoulders, not just of you know those who went before us in this ministry, but even yeah. in the scripture. I mean, uh, the Apostle Paul, especially, I think of him in, in Acts chapter 17, when he showed up in Athens, uh, you see him going into all these different venues uh, to share the gospel. He goes to the synagogues uh, to reason with the Jewish people and with God-fearing Gentiles. Then he's in the marketplace and he's yeah. sharing the gospel there. And then he winds up on Mars Hill. And what was he doing? He was going where the people were and using the, uh, the, the different mediums, the different platforms as a way to communicate the gospel. And honestly, I mean, we, we really have an obligation to do this, you know, mm -hmm. as, uh, as faithful stewards of this gospel message that doesn't change, like Brian said. Uh, we have an obligation to use uh, all the means that, that are at our disposal to, uh, to spread this message. Yeah, and one is not better than the other. It's yeah. it's and <laughs> right. right. How, how do we use how do we use all of these methods at the same time to be as effective as possible for that particular method? Right. 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 And we always need to be adapting to the the current situation. So, like for instance, uh, as Robert mentioned, uh, I mean Paul, he would actually be able to go into synagogues and preach about Yeshua from within a synagogue. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's probably not news to anybody listening that that is not really a method that is available to us today. And right. so we can't just look and say, well, Paul did it. We should do that, too. It's we have to adapt. We have to uh, find new ways to share the message. And it may not be the same as what was effective in the first century. Right. Right. And I think the, the key principle there from Acts 17 is uh, look at the public square. Where is it possible to get the message out. And that's what Paul right. was doing. And we look today and the public square has expanded. Yeah. Uh, it has expanded into the digital realm. So mm -hmm. it only makes sense for us to, to uh, venture into that area as well. So Abe, um, Hearing about all these different methods, do we still use any of them today? I would say yes. You know, we still print tracks. We still print books. Um, we still do a lot of the methods that Brian talked about, uh, the face-to-face -face ministry for sure. We have our Shalom New York outreach, Shalom Boston, Shalom Philadelphia outreach. Uh, you know, we, we haven't abandoned any of those um, outreaches because they're still effective. You, yeah. you know, it, it's still important to our mission. Um, to have those specific outreaches. But I'll ask you this question, you know, um, let, let's pretend that social media didn't exist. Let's pretend the internet didn't exist. Let's pretend Zoom didn't exist. How would the pandemic have affected ministry um, without all of those things? Yeah, and that's rhetorical. If somebody wants to answer that, because I, I don't know the answer to that. I just know... Um, 
it 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 would have made it a lot harder. So it's almost like I want to say thank God for this technology that we were able to stay connected yeah. mm-hmm. throughout this pandemic. Who, who knows what would have happened to society had we been cooped up in our homes for a year without any sort of communication other than a phone call or writing a letter. <laughs> you know? And uh, I mean, we would have been used to it because Internet wouldn't have existed. Right. But, you know, yeah. it, things would have been different for us. And so thinking about today, I mean, we we're, we just ran stats for how our digital efforts have gone over the past year and we had 80,000 uh attendees go to our virtual events yeah 80,000 wow yeah in a pandemic year where people are stuck at home you know we were able to to reach people that we never thought we'd be able to reach because we we leaned in to this pandemic and we decided you know what we're not going to shy away we're going to we're going to double down on this and we're going to continue to make sure that the, the gospel goes out where, wherever it's available. And right now, all that's available is the digital platform. So, yeah, it, it's, you know, yes, we still we still do those things and we're going to return to them. You know, in 2022, we're going to go back to the, the street outreach, which we're excited about this year. We're, yeah. we're bringing back our camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very exciting. Um, but you know, having the digital, the platforms really, really was incredible this past year. So I have a question for Robert and Brian, as, as we move forward, as we, uh, escape this COVID reality that we're in, (laughs) um, what can we learn from our past, um, both from the traditional methods, our digital methods, um, you know, what can we learn? learn from all of that and maybe you have some impact stories in there too i think the biggest thing is that we need to be reliant on the lord for wisdom and creativity and not get too stuck on the old paradigm Uh, it's really easy when something changes to be very skeptical of the change and to uh, not really see the benefits of what could be with the new paradigm I'm sure that when uh, TV came out, uh, all of the people who were using the radio for ministry uh, saw the TV as a threat or saw it as something that was scary, saw Mm. it as something that we don't know how to do this and we're comfortable with the radio and we're getting results on the radio. And so uh, they may not have seen the value uh, of using the television. And the same thing can go with, with the Internet. Uh, mm. I think that before uh, the pandemic, uh, there were there were many who were um, on the fence about mm-hmm. online evangelism. And yeah. that was definitely my experience uh, 10 years ago when I first uh, came on board. Uh, we weren't doing Internet evangelism. We weren't doing media evangelism. And so uh, there were very few people in the ministry who had a vision for it or really right. could even get their mind around it. And now, oh my goodness, we see that this is this is not the future of the ministry, but it is an integral uh, part of the future of the ministry. So one of the biggest things we need to learn is to be flexible, to see where the Lord is leading and guiding, and to uh, have some openness to be creative with these new things that come our way. Yeah, so I agree. I think being uh, flexible and pliable and adaptable uh, and, and faithful to the message. 
One thing, I don't know if I've learned, but one thing that's sort of been um, in the back of my mind as we prepare, as we make uh, preparations now to transition back into more of like a hybrid, partially online and, and more in person, is um, uh, trying to find a balance. Because I think some people have gotten a little too comfortable w with doing everything online. And yeah. I think as believers, we need each other. We need mm. to be in each other's presence. We need to be in community. We need to be a part of each other's lives. And uh, I think it's difficult to fully experience that and fully utilize the gifts that you've been given by the Holy Spirit of God to be used to edify other believers and encourage one another and bear one another's burdens. It's difficult to, to uh, contain all of that just online. So as we get ready, that's just something that's been in the back of my mind. Uh, how can we strike that balance to uh, still encourage in-person fellowship again, not at, uh, and you know online ministry as well, and not at the expense of each other? Hmm. Great point. Robert, do you feel that as we return to our, our congregations, as we return to being with one another, do you feel, uh, this might be a loaded question, do you, do you feel like it'll be different than it was before? Do you feel like we need to relearn what it's like to be with each other? That's that's a great question. Uh, and I, right away, my mind goes back to last summer mm -hmm. um, when the COVID rates were very down in New York and we were able to get together outdoors as a congregation for some yeah. services. And I remember uh, seeing for the first time a dear brother, you know, wonderful Jewish believer, good friend, uh, and he's very introverted and he's always been a part of our congregation. And we finally see each other for the first time. And I have never heard him talk so much. It's like he was so <laughs> excited to be face to face <laughs> with other people again. I was oh, like, man, so who is cool. this guy? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think there's certainly going to be an adjustment period for everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, but honestly, I'm looking forward to it. Whatever it's going to be like, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. It's great. Abe, hearing all this, I know we put out a lot of video ads on Facebook and YouTube over the past few years. How are online ads similar to and maybe different from pamphleting? It's a great question. They're pretty much like distant cousins. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, one, I don't think one is greater yeah. than the other. They, they both have their different purposes. Um, so if you're handing out pamphlets, um, if that face, you know, nothing can really replace face-to-face -face ministry. Just like that interaction of being there face-to-face -face with a person, um, and, and engaging them, seeing who you're talking to, um, that is an awesome experience. So in particular, when we're reaching the or, the ultra-Orthodox, let's say in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. That's a very, very tight-knit community. And if one of them were maybe to be caught talking to someone at a book table, let's say, that would be a problem for them in particular. Mm. Um, but, you know, something that we're finding that the ultra-Orthodox are doing is browsing the internet. They're looking at YouTube. They're on Facebook. And so it's a little bit safer for them to watch a video or look at a Facebook ad or a YouTube ad than it is to speak to someone face to face. So I think there are different um, methods that can be used at the same time, you know, um, and, and, and again, it's not one or the other. It's, it's just how we're using it. And so I think that's just been the benefit, particularly in Jewish ministry, where just the thought of 
believing in Jesus is so controversial for Jewish people and they mm-hmm. can't even talk to their family about it because they will just either be disowned or kicked out or, or whatever. Um, people, Jewish people don't want others in their family to know that they're seeking. So that's really where the digital side of things comes in. And I, and, I, and I believe that's why we're seeing so much success on the digital side, because we're able to kind of penetrate physical walls. You know, we're able to actually meet people in their homes for sure. as opposed to waiting for them to leave the home to speak to them. And uh, I just I just think it's been really awesome, um, you know, watching how we've advanced over the years in the digital advertising space. Yeah. And. Abe, I've, I've, uh, I remember um, maybe about two years ago where we ran a little test with a um, uh, the Jesus film, with a clip from the Jesus film in Yiddish. Uh, and we ran a test on Facebook, right? Uh, can you yep. share a little bit about that? Because I remember hearing the results of how many people yeah. watched that video. Yeah, we ran this test two years ago. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I, I do know that it was over, it was hundreds of people who watch the video. Now, everyone listening is probably saying a hundred hundreds of viewers, that's that's nothing. <laughs> well, listen to what we did. We yeah. targeted zip codes that we knew were uh, majority ultra-Orthodox. We also ran the ad in Hebrew. Uh, we couldn't, well, I'm sorry. No, we, we ran it in Yiddish, actually. We yes. ran it in Yiddish targeting Hebrew speakers um, because most of them know Hebrew and probably have their Facebook pages in Hebrew. Um, so we know that people who watched the majority of the film understood Yiddish because the film wasn't Yiddish. Yeah. And so that tells us that Yiddish speakers in an area where there's ultra-Orthodox watched the film, one plus one equals two. <laughs> <You know? laughs> ultra-Orthodox were watching the Jesus film. And that was incredibly encouraging and so we're taking that data and we're coming up with some plans on and how we can expand on that and uh, continue to reach in the digital space those hundreds are so exciting because uh, whenever we do anything online in english we we know as a team that we're probably going to get 10 to 20 times the response from english-speaking believers in jesus than we will from of Jewish people who don't yet believe in Jesus. Well, how many believers in Jesus uh, know Yiddish or Hebrew and are watching a Yiddish language version of the Jesus film? I mean, this is such an exciting thing that that those hundreds, those are probably the vast majority, if not all of them, uh, not yet believing in Jesus. And so that is a very effective uh, campaign to reach them uh, with the message of Jesus. So now imagine, you know, if you're driving a van through an ortho- ultra-Orthodox community trying to play the Jesus film, that might not go too well. I think you'll upset a lot of people, and we always want to bring the gospel with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we are instead providing that over, let's say, Facebook or YouTube, now this this speaks it back into the anonymity of the web, right? Um and, and we always say this, what um, Satan is using to, to intend for destruction, God is using for his glory and for his edification. Mm-hmm. And so that anonymity, though it can be a little dark, for depending on how you're using the internet, um, we're finding that it's helping spread the gospel. And so that's just very encouraging. 
yeah, I found in nine years in being on the ground in Brooklyn, uh, just my heart being broken because of my inability to really figure out how to have a sustainable face-to-face ministry with the ultra-Orthodox. And I, just like you said, Abe, I, I am very excited and passionate about using the internet to reach the unreached, to to penetrate those walls, that uh, those sociological barriers, those the, those barriers that we just can't get through with the gospel. Uh, the, the Lord is giving us new means, uh, primarily through the internet. There are other ways as well, but we're really yeah. seeing that the internet is a very strategic means to reach the unreached. Yeah. And Brian, I remember uh, going back again to the Isaiah 53 campaign and sort of observed, observing and watching how the Lord was working in your life in particular, and really using that whole campaign as a transition for our ministry going more digital, but also for you in particular. Do you want to share a little bit about uh, how the Isaiah 53 campaign and the online forum that was on the website, how that fits into your story and what you're doing now? Yeah, thanks, Robert. It was a huge, huge part of my story. So as part of the Uh, Isaiah 53 campaign, we decided that we wanted to have some kind of online presence. Well, up to that point, we hadn't, this was 2013. We we didn't really have much of an online presence uh, before that. And we definitely weren't running social media campaigns. So we decided to uh, buy Isaiah53.com and we installed a discussion forum as a section on the site. And that enabled anybody, but primarily unbelieving Jewish people to register an account and uh, to respond to different questions and answers uh, that uh, were posted on the site. And uh, I was one of several staff members who was uh, tapped to uh, be a responder on that discussion forum. And uh, after a month or two of the five of us uh, being on the site, uh, the other four weren't that interested in internet forum ministry. And that was what was getting me up every single morning. I just wanted to get up. I wanted to get on that forum. I wanted to see who was responding to me, what their objections were. If I didn't know what they, how to respond, I was going and researching and then I'm writing all these posts and I absolutely loved it. My passion for online evangelism and apologetics was really birthed out of uh, administering and writing on that discussion forum. And that, that became my primary ministry for about two and a half years and uh, wow. just, just absolutely loved it. So uh, tell us, why, why did that end? Why did that forum uh, eventually come to a halt and how did that transition to what you're doing now? Yeah, so the forum was really great in that it enabled uh, us or me in particular as the only chosen people staff member administering it. It, it enabled me to uh, respond to Jewish objections to the gospel and to make positive cases for why Jesus was the Messiah. But I was the only staff member who was really on uh, the forum. And there were other users, uh, Messianic Jewish and Christian users who helped me some. And, but there were so many uh, Jewish users on the site. And many of them would write like crazy or they would copy and paste things from other places on the internet. Uh, they would go off topic. They wouldn't respond to the original post. They would try to hijack the post. And basically the forum was not designed to have 
a good control system for keeping mm. the, the 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 messages on topic and to actually have a conducive atmosphere. Uh, a lot of discussion forums they're built around the entire audience having a common love a common theme you know you've got a a, a car forum or you got a technology forum you got it brings together people with a common interest well the discussion forum on isaiah53.com it brought together believers and unbelievers in yeshua and there was not commonality and it brought out a lot of bad things actually on both sides mm. and yeah. it was not a very productive way um, or sustainable way of online evangelism, even though I loved doing it, I knew that there was a better way to go about online ministry. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because we're seeing some of that energy kind of in our Facebook comments, um, not so much Instagram, but really Facebook where um, we have to monitor kind of those conversations that are happening between believers and unbelievers. Um, and, you know, I, I think if there's anything that people hear today, it's just, again, share the gospel in love. If you disagree with someone on, on, on social media, do it in love. You know, you never know who's watching and um, they're going to see that and think you represent all Christians. Right. Right. And so it, it's just so important to 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 do all of that in in love. Um, and speaking of social media. Um, and Brian, we'll come back to your current project in a little bit. Um, Nicole, can you, so we were actually talking about pamphlets before, right? Yes. <laughs> and handing out flyers and things like that. And, and I see social media, uh, social posts, uh, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, kind of like those pamphlets getting passed around. Yeah. Uh, right. So, um, it, social media really started picking up for us, I would say around 2014 um, mm -hmm. but in the last couple of years it's it's really blossomed into into something um, wonderful and a really really great communication tool so how are we using platforms like Facebook and Instagram to reach Jewish people and also Christians because part of our mission statement is to um, encourage believers to pray for evangelize disciple and uh, serve the Jewish people as well yeah so it's definitely a dual function for sure um, we do get some pre-believing Jewish people on our social media accounts um, in our comment sections, and their comments range from, you know, curiosity to sometimes uh, they don't like what we're doing. And so we try to just give everybody the freedom to say what they want to say as long as, you know, like Brian said, as long as they're not hijacking the conversation. Um, and sometimes, sometimes even the believers, you know, sometimes even Gentile Christians will hijack the conversation and, you know, it becomes a very personal thing. And so we have to kind of tone down those comments. Um, but most of the time people are pretty respectful. And what, what I like about what we do with social media is that we get to show the Jewishness of Jesus to our audience. Um, we're educating the church about the Jewish roots of the faith, but we're also letting Jewish people know that Jesus was Jewish and that, you know, he is their Messiah. Um, we get to tell people about Israel's role in the Bible and how important that is today. We also get to do online events as well on mm -hmm. our social media platforms. So it's just been great to see the, the response that we've been getting. And uh, we also get to educate people about anti-Semitism within yeah. church history as well as today. And I think the Jewish community really uh, appreciates the fact that even though we're a ministry, we take a stand against anti-Semitism and we want to support the Jewish community, whether they're believers or unbelievers. 
one thing I really appreciate so much about the social media posts, and Nicole, you do such a wonderful job. I just want to make sure that we all acknowledge that and say that. You beat me to it. Um, (laughs) But one thing I love is how they are really uh, such a a good tool to, uh, to drive people or to invite people to some of our other websites, like ifoundshalom.com, yes. um, or even, again, what uh, the, the project that Brian is working on. Well, I love about messiah.com. I feel like it's our, it's like our savvy older brother who like knows everything. <laughs> and there's so, there's so many great articles on their website, on that website, and you really keep it up to date. So yeah, Brian, tell us a little bit more about, about Messiah and about Chosen People Answers. Yeah, so uh, About Messiah and Chosen People Answers are our cousin sites. Uh, they both have the same purpose of uh, sharing the gospel, evangelizing Jewish people, and uh, dealing with objections to believing in Jesus, but from two different angles. Uh, the AboutMessiah.com site is for Jewish people who are curious about Jesus. Uh, maybe they've heard that he has this Hebrew name, Yeshua. Uh, maybe they have a Christian friend uh, that has been inviting them to church, but they don't really know if that's okay for them to go to church because they're Jewish. And, and But they've got this curiosity. And so aboutmessiah.com is for Jewish seekers uh, answering very down-to-earth questions uh, about what it means to be a Jewish believer in Jesus. And uh, we're trying to build aboutmessiah.com into being a an online library of uh, a vast majority of different articles on different topics. And so that site is going to be growing. Uh, and uh, I, I would encourage you to, to go there and to check it out and to see the, the approach that we're taking with, uh, with Jewish people, the tone that we're taking, and to uh, yeah. apply that in your own uh, evangelism. Yeah. Uh, and then Chosen People Answers, that is for uh, Jewish people who want to think through the issues maybe a little bit deeper. Uh, maybe they are a little bit more uh, hostile to the idea of Jesus being the Messiah, have uh, more questions. Uh, they want to go into the history. They want to go into the Hebrew. And so uh, Chosen People Answers uh, goes more in depth on very similar topics. So maybe we have a prophet or to hear what do we think will be the next new type of media that we will use for ministry what's what's next holograms tiktok (laughs) i was gonna say cryptocurrency somehow uh virtual reality (laughs) yeah 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 vr messianic services with dancing there you go yeah. Virtual reality tours in Israel follow Jesus' footsteps. I think yeah. the prophecy is strong. We're giving people too many ideas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should keep some of these for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So how do we come up with fresh ideas for sharing our message? Um, how do we avoid uh, trying to replicate what others are doing? What What would you say maybe somebody who's listening is into digital media for their ministry, for their organization, whoever? Um, what, what is it that we can do to come up with like a fresh new idea for communicating that, that, that your mission statement, or in our case, our message, invite the young people to the table. Mm. That's, you know, one thing that I've noticed. And, uh, I have had the privilege of, uh, being a part of Camp Kesher for like the past six or seven years now. And I, I think there's even studies about this, but middle schoolers 
middle schoolers, like 10, 11, 12 year, 12 year olds are at the forefront of the latest trends. Right. It's just, it's how it is. So uh, I think it all goes back to what we've been talking about, being open, being flexible, pliable, being willing to think outside the box. And I I mean, one example that comes to mind is one of our younger Israeli staff members uh, has developed a gaming channel uh, where he shares the gospel as he's Mm. on there on Twitch, uh, Mm. playing these video games. And this is like a big trend among young people right now, especially Gen Z, where they'll go online and they'll watch other people play video games. (laughs) So as he's on there, he's engaging with the people who are chatting and and, uh, asking him questions and he's sharing the gospel through gaming online. I miss I miss my calling. I I, <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean who who would have thought that that would be yeah. uh, an effective yeah. means of ministry. That's awesome. It's funny because my 10-year-old niece uh I tend to ask her what uh what what technology she's into and, and things like that just to get an idea of where things are headed. Mm-hmm. And the other day she told me she lost interest in TikTok. And meanwhile, she was using TikTok like crazy for the whole year. Wow. And now she's lost interest. And I'm like, hmm. Something's okay. coming. What's next? <laughs> yeah, what's next? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, listening to the young people is is huge, Robert. And I would also agree that you need to surround yourself, not not just with young people, but just people who are always thinking outside of the box. They're not content with the status quo. They're always convinced that there's more for the Lord to be doing in our midst, that uh, what has happened in the past is not necessarily what we are limited to for the future, and um, not throwing water on the little embers of little ideas that could be fanned Mm. into flame. Uh, Again, Mm. you've always got the skeptics who say, ah, we've never done it that way before, and they see it as too risky. And uh, so then that doesn't encourage uh, uh, risk-taking for the Lord. And sometimes the the greatest ministries come about because someone has a crazy idea that nobody believes in, and then it just works. That's so true. I mean, we're seeing that now. Ten years ago, I don't think there was much interest in a digital media team and and what we're doing. And and now it's become a huge pillar in, in, in our ministry. And so, yeah, that's totally true. So kind of as we wrap up, um, what advice would you all give to other ministry content creators in your field? I would say you have to pray. Um, It's so Mm -hmm. crucial. And just a brief anecdote, I went through a season shortly after I first started because when I first started, I didn't have any prior experience in graphic design. I didn't know a good photo from a bad photo. I had no discernment in these things. And so our Instagram account, if you scroll down, you'll see the demarcation line from... Don't don't scroll down. (laughs) Don't don't scroll down. Before the the awakening and after. And I remember it was a very frustrating season and I journaled during this time. And it it was a spiritual warfare matter for me. And... No matter how many times Abe tried to explain what he was thinking of, I was not connecting the dots in my head. And I thought, why can't I get it? And it was so frustrating and I was so uh, down on myself. And then I realized I hadn't surrendered my work process to God. You know, I wasn't reading and praying consistently. And when I was reading and praying, it was like, okay, I'm going to read a few verses and say a quick prayer and that'll be it. And, you know, I was 
working, 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 but not really making, you know, God a priority. And so, Mm. um, God showed me during that season, uh, that I need to, I need to rest. And also I need to make time for him. And if I seek him first and his kingdom, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And all these things will be added unto you. And so when I made it, a, made it a priority to seek him first, to pray, to surrender the work process to him, to rely on his strength instead of my own, to abide in him because he's the vine and we are the branches and apart from him, we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, once I realized all that, that's when my work started to blossom and started to move in new directions. And, you know, I finally like the the light bulb clicked on and I was able to start conceptualizing visually the things I didn't know before. I remember that it was almost like overnight. You know, that, yeah. that that shift happened. And granted, you know, everyone, people might say, oh, does my does this stuff have to be absolutely gorgeous or no, it doesn't. But I think um, it, it definitely helps in communicating what we're trying to communicate um, and, and being intentional about what you're posting and mm-hmm. and and the themes behind it. It, it helps, you know, it helps yeah. in that communication. Um, like, you know, you're not going to think about music. You know, Mm -hmm. music that gets published isn't unfinished. You know, it's it's ready to be published. And and I remember when when your work finally got to a point where it was like, ah, this is great. You know, I'm putting every ounce of me into this. And I think that's so important as content creators, um, especially in ministry, that Mm -hmm. you put every ounce of yourself um, into it while also what Nicole's saying it, uh, it, it, just praying and and, hand, and um, handing it over to God and allowing Him to work through you in that process. So that's that's great, Nicole. That's really cool. Yeah. So even though we've been talking this whole episode about innovation and using new methods to share the gospel, and especially on the internet, I think it's really important for content creators to not uh, forget the past, to not forget yeah. that human nature has not changed, that the the same. Uh, message of grace that has been effective in sharing the gospel with Jewish people and Gentiles in the past, in centuries prior, um, is still effective and used by the Holy Spirit today. And so I really think that Mm -hmm. there's a lot of value in uh, taking the old wine and putting it into new wineskins and uh, reading biographies of people in the past and how they have ministered uh, to the people in their context and then uh, attempt to apply that to your own content creation process. Maybe drawing themes, uh, drawing inspiration from uh, things that worked in their ministry and make it new, Uh, make it your own, put a new spin on it, but it's the same message. That's awesome. And and I just kind of, that reminded me of just, you know, new technologies, every single generation when Morse code was first created, one of the first, or actually the first message that was sent over Morse code was Numbers 23:23, And, you know, the gospel is just, <laughs> it's everywhere, you know? It, it, when new technology comes, people find ways to share the gospel through the uh, through that piece of technology. And, and that's just so encouraging to hear. And I love how Numbers 23:23 is. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, it, it says it's talking about divination in Israel, and it asks the question, what has God wrought? And it, you can just imagine those first people communicating on Morse code, yeah, using electricity to send these, these, these dots and these lines over 
the the the, the phone lines to somewhere who knows yeah. where else what has god wrought yeah. how is this even possible that we can be sharing uh, a message through this medium and yet that is the way that we are supposed to share the gospel we are supposed to use yeah. every means possible to share the gospel mm -hmm. no matter if it's morse code over a telephone line or the internet or still the traditional way of meeting people out on the street going door to door yeah talking face to face well ryan robert nicole thank you so much uh for talking with me this is a longer episode but it it doesn't feel long it, it's such yeah. an exciting conversation yeah. um and i hope others are inspired and i also want to just give a shout out to grace who yeah. is our co-producer behind the quote-unquote glass on zoom <laughs> and she uh she is a rock star putting the, together these episodes and uh grace just say a quick hello so people can hear your voice Hello, everyone. Yeah, thanks so much, Abe, for uh, calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Grace uh, puts together these these uh, episodes and our videos, and she is just such a critical piece to our ministry in communicating the gospel digitally. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Abe. And, and Mazel Tov on episode number 50. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Each one of us has unique gifts from God that we can offer up in service to Him, and with modern technology, we now have new tools at our fingertips to help us share the message of Messiah with the chosen people. But in all of this, it is important to remember that God ultimately does the work, and we are His vessels. And even with all this technology, nothing quite beats sharing this message with a friend, face to face, through our actions as well as with our words. Thank you for listening to this season of Our Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our 50th episode, and we cannot wait to share with you what God has in store for next season. So stay tuned. This episode of Our Hope Podcast was brought to you by Dr. Mitch Glazer, Brian Crawford, Robert Walter, Grace Swee, Nicole Vaca, Kyron Bautista, and Neil Saraski. I'm Abe Vasquez. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHoperPodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.